Well, tonight we're starting a brand new sermon series, and uh, I'm, I'm pumped about it. It's going to be one that I think will, will not only like encourage us, but also, also, also <laughs> push. I was going to say, the next word I was going to say was push. That's why I was going to, that's why I was there. Also, words are hard. Also push us. And uh, I love those kind of moments. I love when you're encouraged, but then you're also challenged. And, and so t- this kind of sermon series, we're going to spend five weeks through this sermon series uh, called Check Your Heart. And uh, you heard me, if you've been here the last two weeks, you've heard me talk about it a little bit as I've alluded to uh, where we're going to be headed. But there's a video that some of you probably have seen because it was on Instagram uh, and YouTube. And there's a comedian named John Christ, who I'm sure several of you have heard him follow. Uh, but I saw this video several months ago, and um, it was hilarious and terrifying and, uh, and somehow convicting. And so what it began to do in me was, it wasn't just the video, but the video actually was on top of something the Lord had already been starting, but the video affirmed in me this idea that, uh, well, you know, I'll let you see the video, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. So take a moment, check this, check your heart music video out. God always. Michael V. John Chris. No big deal. You already know what it is. Indie tribe in the building. We put Nashville on our back. You already know we got him. Talk to him. Do it in the dark so they never know. You should check your heart with the stethoscope. Yeah, looking up to God, he my antidote. Yeah, they just keep the message in the envelope. Why you trolling? Check your heart. Stop that scrolling. Check your heart. Take control it. Check your heart. Make it known it. Check your heart. Why you trolling? Check your heart. Stop that scrolling. Check your heart. Take control it. Check your heart. Make it known it. Check your heart. Scrolling Insta for the satisfaction. Thirst trap pick Bible verse caption. Sponsor child for rolling in a rover. Sanctuary Sunday mornings hung over. Clapping back, you're feeling like a wise guy. Apanera, but only for the Wi Fi. Bible app, page two's in a folder. Crop top, hang it off your shoulder. 90s Christian rapper talk that ain't decent. Texting and peach emojis in a racing. Late at night, watching channels mischievous. Fingers on remote, TBN is on previous. Check your heart with the stethoscope. Yeah, looking up to God, he my antidote. Yeah, they just keep the message in the envelope. Why you trolling? Check your heart. Stop that scrolling. Check your heart. Take control it. Check your heart. Make it known it. Check your heart. Why you trolling? Check your heart. Stop that scrolling. Check your heart. Take control it. Check your heart. Make yeah, yeah. it known it. Check uh, your heart. Look, on the worship team, and I signed up for A. Ten minutes till service. Told them that I'll be late. Wait. And I'm riding solo through the HOV lane Pull up to the stop sign and I didn't even wait Text me and I might turn into Casper Netflix, I still use my ex's password Called a girl my sis, but I asked her for pics hmm. Bible in a year, February I quit Flex on social media for what? What's the profit? 50,000 followers and likes with no comments. Check your heart, just be honest. I'm telling them to be modest when we know that's gin and tonic in that cup that's labeled Sonic. Do it in the dark so they never know. You should check your heart with the stethoscope. Yeah, look 
Looking up to God, he my antidote. Yeah, they just keep the message in the envelope. Why you trolling? Check your heart. Stop that scrolling. Check your heart. Take control it. Check your heart. Make it known it. Check your heart. Why you trolling? Check your heart. Stop that scrolling. Check your heart. Take control it. Check your heart. Make it known it. Check your heart. Huh? You thought we was playing? You already know what to do. You gotta check your heart. And when you talk to me, talk to me nice. It's God always in the tribe. And check your heart nation. You heard? Check your heart. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know how well you were tracking with what was being said in the video or what was happening. I'm sure lots of you caught it. But they, they, they spoke to uh, somewhat of a culture that has been, uh, has crept into the church where, where Christianity is something that's more of an outside appearance thing than it is an actual inward experience thing. Outside appearance versus inward experience. And, and they're playing on some things that I see happening. Uh, I've seen happen in my own life throughout. I'll just say it like this. If I'm honest, like I can, I can lean towards having the propensity to live my, my walk with Jesus. There have been seasons where I have felt this propensity to live my walk with Jesus in a way that goes like this. How much flesh can I still live in while still subscribing to my faith in Jesus? Like how much can I get away with or how much can I still allow to kind of be in my life but still be like, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, yeah, I follow Jesus and, and that's my life. And I, so that's been something that I've struggled with at times, and I see it happening in the church a lot. There's this, like, Christianity, for a lot of people, looks good on the outside because of whatever reason. There's several things. And, and so social media and the image that we can portray in different places can become more about what it looks like on the outside than actually what's going on on the inside. I see this happening in the church. I see it happening in our generation a lot because of things like social media and technology that just kind of expedite the process of, of appearance being God in our life and what we perceive to be. And, and it's been just wrecking me on the inside because the Lord has been speaking to me about our generation and about the church. And, and I just, I, and I saw that music video and I was like, man, that, that actually, although it's kind of funny and there's like, but there's some moments that sting and they sting a little bit because they're true. And, but we don't like really talking about that kind of stuff because it may cost something for you. And that's part of why we're going to talk about it. And that's part of why I really believe the Lord has brought us to, to this sermon series for the next few weeks. And we're going to dive in. And we're not going like, to dabble. We're going to dive. We're going we're gonna to go all the way into some of the texts that God's been laying on my heart for us. And we're going to just, we're going to wrestle with some things. And let me, let me say it this way. It's okay to wrestle with some things. I'm not here to convince you. I believe that that's the Holy Spirit's job. But I am going to present to you some of the truth of God's word. And then, and then hopefully, I want you to walk out of this place on each Thursday night wrestling with something. Because ultimately, uh, there is a war between flesh and spirit that's going on. And even though we follow Jesus, a lot of us, are, we've come to a, a saving um, faith in, in Jesus. And we're learning how to walk out our, our relationships with him. There are still things that you and I 
have got to get worked out by the Spirit of God in our flesh. And so that's why we're going to take the next five weeks and we're really going to check our hearts. Um, this all kind of started in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3. So God spoke. God created everything. God made man and woman and, and placed them in the garden in a perfect state with no sin. And, and at the very beginning, what we see is, is kind of the, the origins of, of why we would get to the place where we are today with this whole idea that we need to check our hearts because we allowed something to get there. And it's, it's this Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 moment where the serpent is in the garden and what the enemy does, what he does is he questions what God really said. He says, he says in, in chapter 3, verse 1, did he really say that? When God had given Adam and Eve a command, he'd given them instructions about how to walk it out, how to live this life, and how to operate in the garden that he had created and in, in the world that he had created for them. And then the serpent comes into the picture, and he, he asks them the question, did God really say that? And I think that's where a lot of us, whether or not we would like to pose it like that, that's where a lot of us, uh, we live like that question is at play in our lives. And we may not say it like that, but like our actions might speak it like that. And even if they're not actions that people see on the outside, they are or, or, or public actions. I, I think a lot of us might be wrestling with private actions that speak that question and that reality. Did he really say, it? yeah, 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 I follow Jesus and like I'm supposed to be walking in this way. But did he, did he really mean that? Because like this doesn't. I, the people that I hang out with, they all love Jesus, but they all do this, and they all speak like this, and they all think like this. And so, like, is that, is that really something that I need to be subscribing to and walking out? Because nobody else around me who's following Jesus is, like, like really looking like that. Did he really say? And I think some of us might, might even find ourselves tonight caught, caught up in some of those things. So my prayer uh, is um, that this is a series that, that takes you on a journey that makes you feel uncomfortable a little bit because in that uncomfortability, that's where the spirit of God will speak to you and reveal some truth to you. So the text for our series over the next few weeks is going to be found in uh, the book of first Corinthians chapter 10. And it'll be up on the screen here. It's just one verse that we're really going to take as our launching pad for the next several weeks together. And Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he speaks, um, his words are going to be what are going to be our template for this, this series. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, he says this. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. I'll read it one more time. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Another translation would say this, all things are permissible, but not beneficial. All things, there are things that are okay to do. They're not necessarily wrong or maybe even sin, but it does not necessarily mean that they are beneficial to you. It doesn't mean necessarily that they will build you up or the people up around you. So he's speaking to, to, this, to this idea uh, that, that not everything that we would maybe operate in or act in or follow would be something that can contribute to a positive building, even if it's not necessarily wrong. So that's going to be our, our verse that we're going to keep coming back to and walking through. And here's the goal for this series for the next four or five weeks. Here's the goal. 
uh, that we, we walk in and we, we see. The goal is this, heart transformation over behavior modification. If you're like, why would I come and listen to what people are saying for the next couple weeks? Why do I listen to that? Why do I care? The goal, the main, the main idea is that God has, his desire is heart transformation in your life and in people's lives that aren't here. Um, I want this to be a place that you feel safe inviting a friend to, that they can come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ and experience God's presence. But the goal is not that you walk in here and then you learn how to live your life better or how, how even to be a quote-unquote better Christian. Because we can be, behavior modify ourselves to death. And it doesn't mean that our heart is changed at all. See, see, the gospel is all about heart transformation. That's the greatest miracle that I believe, aside from Jesus resurrecting from the dead, that we, see, we can see to this day. The greatest miracle at play in front of our eyes in, the, in this very day is a heart that's transformed by the gospel. That, the only way that that can happen, a heart being transformed, is by the power of Jesus, period. Nobody can change a heart like Jesus can change a heart. And that's one of the greatest miracles that we can witness. And, and what happens in church a lot, what happens when we, when we don't understand the gospel is that we can feel like that this Jesus thing is about how do I behave better so that God will love me more and people will like me more and that I'll, I'll be blessed more. But that's not, that's not it. That's not God's heart. God's after your heart being transformed more than he's after your behaviors being modified. And I think sometimes we don't, we don't get that. And so we try to fix ourselves in our lives by just behaving better. But God's in it for something different. And it's not that our behaviors won't be, be adjusted or that they won't be impacted, because they will. But that's not the goal. The goal for this series is that you see a greater level of how God wants to transform your heart. That's where we're going to go. Our affections. I love it the way Jesus puts it. He really speaks to this idea of, of your heart. In Mark 12, 30 through 31, he says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Like, it's not, you got to make sure you're tithing every week. It's not, stop looking at pornography. It's not, stop lying to your girlfriend and your boyfriend. It's not, I mean, all of those things are byproducts of something. But, but, but the point, the biggest thing is that your heart is loving God is growing in love with God, is experiencing the love of God, that you are learning how to walk in a greater love for God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything that you've got. That's, that is what we're after here. We're not after looking like perfect Christians. We are not after having the largest group that's gathering under the name of a church. We are after people that are falling more in love with God. That, that, that love has to be the motivator because that love is the only thing that actually lasts. That love is the only thing that can actually transform. So transform what? Well, I believe it's this, that, that what God's wanting to take you into is, is that you are transformed to want what God wants. That this isn't just about doing what's right because it's right or not doing what's wrong because it's wrong, but that as you're sitting here over the next several weeks and God's speaking to you, that you're leaving with like, man, my wants are shifting. Because there's several, there are several days where I wake up and my prayer is this, God, help me want to want you. But that, that takes a different kind of working in me than, than just like, okay, God, I'm, I'm not going to 
uh, speak negatively today to somebody. I'm going to be kind to my wife in my words. I'm going to uh, not be sarcastic in a way that tears somebody down. It's a different kind of ask. And I think that what we've got to capture is that God is after your heart. He's after your heart. He's after your heart's affections being stirred up for the things of God, not just don't drink that. Not just don't watch that show. Not just don't hang out with that group because they'll mess you up. He's after something more. It's different than just your behaviors being modified. He's after, he's after our hearts. And so my prayer is that we would walk into being transformed to want what God wants and our affections for the Lord being stirred up. That our perspectives would shift from how much can I live in this without getting caught or feeling guilty. Two, how can I live in a way that really pleases and honors God because I love him? They're two completely different ways to live. And yet, I think if we're not careful, we can be trying to do one and completely missing the other. And and I think God's calling you, he's calling me, he's calling us into a deeper place where our hearts begin to be transformed to really want what God wants rather than just being scared of messing up or doing things that make him mad or make people mad or disappointed or we feel guilty from the sin or the shame that we're walking in. He's got something more. So tonight, I'm just going to kind of lay the foundation because we're going to spend, like I said, the next couple of weeks talking more specific to like some specific uh, issues along those heart lines. So how do we get there? I'm going to I'm share three things tonight uh, that I, I believe will, will help lay the foundation for just some thoughts for you to chew on for how do we get there? Because how, how do we bridge that gap from, from okay, yeah, I want my, my wants to be transformed. I want to want what God wants, and I want that to, but I'm, 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 a, I'm far from that. I'm still wrestling through some, like, legalism. I'm still wrestling through some, my parents raised me this way, and I, so now I'm like, I am, I'm gun shy when it comes to, you know, receiving and experiencing grace. There's lots of things that we all bring to the table. So I'm going to propose just three things tonight that we can, we can begin to process and implement that will help us get there and bridge that gap from being where we are to where I believe God's calling us to go. First one is this. Grace upon grace. How do we get there? I, I really believe that there's a, there's a grace receiving deficit, but not a grace deficit. Like God's grace for you isn't lacking. But where the breakdown is, is in, it's in your receiving of that grace. And what the first thing you've got to be thinking and be, be processing before you can go, okay, how do I get to that spot? Is you got to push through a lot of different baggage things that you might be bringing to the table tonight. Yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time. And I've struggled with, with actually uh, experiencing what you're talking about. So I'm just going to work, I'm going to work harder at it. I'm going to will myself into my heart wanting what God wants. That doesn't work. You can't will your heart into wanting what God wants. You can't will yourself into being a better Christian. It, it doesn't work like that. And, but a lot of us operate like, we, like it does. You, you need a, a fresh and radical encounter with God's grace, even tonight. A, 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 new, a new transforming ability to receive God's grace. As somebody who's been following Jesus for, for several years, this is one of, my biggest, one of my biggest issues, is that feeling of like, I'm not worthy. 
and I've received the grace before. So I'm going to come into the next moment where I know I need to receive it with a, with a hesitation and a reservation because I feel like I'm abusing this because I've, I've accepted that grace before. How can God keep it coming? There's no way because that's not how it works. But it does work like that. But some of us are having a difficult time jumping that hurdle. And, and God wants to bring you tonight into a, a fresh understanding of his grace for you. John 1.16 says, For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. You have to receive and believe a fresh dose of his grace for you tonight. And then you have to receive and believe for a fresh dose of his grace tomorrow morning. And and then tomorrow night. And then again on Saturday. I mean, the way the, the grace, it does, it's a mystery. God's grace is a mystery. It doesn't make sense. But, but I think there's a lot of people in their faith walking out this, this relationship with Jesus that are really, really struggling because they, they don't know how to, or there's a breakdown in receiving God's grace for them in their own lives right now. And I'm telling you what, God has got fresh grace for you to receive and then believe he's actually given you to walk in tonight. And regardless of how you feel, about that, the truth is what Paul says in Romans 8.1, that there's now no condemnation for those of you who are in Christ Jesus. So let me speak to those that are like, they've been followers of Jesus for a long time. You would consider yourself a church kid, if you will. A church young adult. Um, what's it going to take for you to actually believe that? What's it going to take for you to hear the words of of scripture, to hear the words of God for you, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for it not to just be that thought about when you first gave your life to Jesus at that summer camp, at that service, at that experience, but that you've, it's been a long time since then, and so that really can't, really can't be for you tonight. What's it going to take for the Spirit of God to open your eyes to see that that's still for you tonight? And man, the enemy likes to just swirl around your mind and your heart with, with guilt and, and shame and condemnation and then keep you coming to places like this and experiencing God a little bit and being around community a little bit, but then you, you, you just, you, you're reminded of how filthy, rotten of a sinner you are and that you, you leave out of this place more locked up and more condemned and more guilty and ashamed. But that's not how God works. That's the enemy. I'm telling you, there's some people here that are so stuck tonight in a past mistake or failure or a past habitual sin that might be still present as you're sitting here, but, but you need to hear the words of Scripture, grace upon grace. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's fresh for you again tonight. Don't let the enemy continue to rob you from heart transformation because you're stuck on really believing the words that Jesus has spoken. Paul has spoken. The word of God is spoken and is speaking to you tonight. And I, I man, this is, this is for me, but I just think like how many Christians are sitting in seats, young adults are sitting in seats on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning and operating at like 50% or less of what God's called them to because they're stuck in this shame cycle. And, and then the Lord is saying like, get up. Man, I've covered that. Like, I'm covering that. Now, now stand up and, and walk this thing out with me because I'm not going to stop loving you. And I'm not going to stop pouring my grace out on you. So, so stop sitting and wallowing in the shame that the enemy has been lying to you to keep you entrapped in. I've got grace for you. Receive it. Believe it. Walk in it. Grace upon grace, 
no condemnation in Christ. And the first step for us to getting from here to there and a heart transformation is believing that tonight for, for real or, or maybe for the first time or again. And it's nothing that you can do to earn it. It's all Christ and the work that he's done. I'm telling you, that's a big step for some people. So how do we get there? Number one, it's grace upon grace. Number two, how do we walk towards that transformation rather than just behavior modification? Real practically, real simply, it's his word and his presence. Right? This isn't going to be like a blow your mind point here. But it's going to be one of those ones that like, um, it, it just can't be said or reiterated enough. And, and one of those things where we've so underestimated the value of consistency with God's word yeah. and his presence. Where a lot of us are building our faith and our Christianity and our relationship with Jesus, we've been, we're building it on a weekly encounter with God's word and his presence. What I'm here to tell you tonight is that uh, man, I want to create a world where like once a week is is better than nothing, obviously but but that that you're not like patting yourself on the back for that, like yeah, at least I'm coming on Thursdays. no, God's got so much more for you than that and it's it's, it's not a shame or condemnation statement. it's not a like yeah, you're a better you should be a better Christian than that. It's just like there's so much more to experience with God. Than just, than just coming on a Thursday and then hearing like a regurgitated message that God's speaking and doing to me or somebody else and then taking that as like, that's cool, I'm good for this next thing. Man, I'm telling you, there's so much more depth that God is calling you to experience. And if you aren't going to walk into the transformation that he has for you and not just behavior modification, you've got to go deeper in your own relationship with his word and his presence in your life. For some people, that's intimidating. I get it. It's intimidating me in different seasons. For some people, the, the, the pattern, the rhythm, the habit, all of that stuff is difficult to create and maintain. But it's never too late to start again. Man, let me, let me break some things off for some of you guys tonight because you're like, yeah, I did it. I've, I've done it so many times. I've restarted. I've restarted. Restart. Restart tomorrow morning. Restart tonight before you go to bed. Like, there's nothing in the Bible against restart. Like, God's not going, yeah, but I remember what happened last time when you restarted and you barely restarted. So... No, God's going like, yes, anything, come to me, I've got more. So, so if you've started and then you've stopped, start again. But the power of starting again is huge. I mean, and this, somebody needs to hear this beyond just his word and his presence. Some of you have got something in your life that God has birthed in you. You've got a dream. You've got something God has spoken over you. You've got, you've got something God has deposited in you, and you've started going towards it. And then you hit a wall, or it has not panned out the way that you thought it was going to pan out. I'm here to tell you tonight, I really believe this is a Holy Spirit inspired here. Yeah. Restart. If you, if, you have, if you have stepped out into something, and you know it was a deposit from the Lord, and you've stopped because of whatever reason, and maybe you even started again, and then you stopped. And you keep hitting a wall or just, keep, I'm telling you, if, if, it's a, if it's a God thing, it will take place. It will happen. And he's calling you to start again. That's good. It's never too late to start again. Amen. So the gap that we have experienced or you might be experiencing, how do we, we get there? I think for some of us, it's restarting, getting in 
a greater depth of his word and his presence. The psalmist, David, he writes this, Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's a lot of us trying to live our lives walking with a blindfold on with no, no light in just a dark place. I'm telling you, we, we, we are trying to navigate life without the light of the word of God going before us and showing us how and where to go. And if we're going to bridge that gap, I'm telling you, it's going to be in his word, in his presence. Let me say one more thing practically. Some of you just need to try something new. Some of you got a thing stuck in your mind like, this is how I read my Bible. This is how it's got to feel. This is how it's got to look. It's got to be at this time. It's got to be in this chair. It's got to be with this pen, with this journal, with this temperature of coffee in my ember mug. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And if it does not sit the ideal situation or circumstance, throw it out. Forget it. God's not going to speak to me through the... Or how many of you have started, I don't know if you've ever been there, where you like, you, you have the perfect setup, you even head, header your page, title your page, you got the date, you got the day, as I do, I, do, I, I set it up, I, I'll give you my, I'll give you my, my journal somewhere. You get, I got it all set up. I write out the date, full month, full word, I'm all we're full word guy on the top of my page, September 26th, comma, 2019. Far right side of the thing, I, I got the day, Thursday, that's my start. There's so many times in my journal, if you were to go back and look, where that's all you'll see. Something happens. Distraction. Something gets messed up. And how many, you know how demotivating or how discouraging that's been for me at times? I've just looked at that, that. Or like, the worst is, you've got that there. And I'm just going to speak, maybe this is just for me. The worst is, you got that there from like Tuesday. And then you sit down next to Pastor Fawn on Sunday morning. Pastor John's getting ready to speak. You peel open that journal. And the first page you see... <laughs> Is that page that's just got the header since Tuesday? Nothing else? And I'm just sitting there looking at the thing. Pastor Fawn's probably looking over. Look at this heathen. You know? <laughs> Doesn't even read his Bible or journal on Tuesday and always got his the header. Don't act like you've never felt those. <laughs> it's, never, it's never too late to restart. Some of you need to do something new. Some of you need a, you need a different thing to help you restart. So don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to, to, to get with a friend and be like, hey, what are you reading? Like, how's God been challenging you in the word? You know, like, some of you just need to change something up, try something new, and, and, and just keep trying it. And don't give up too soon, too quick. His word and his presence. Finally, how do we bridge the gap? Authentic community. We've been talking about it a lot. I'm going to talk about it in a specific way tonight, but the, but the header of this is authentic community. You, you cannot walk in actual transformation and sustain that transformation without being in authentic community. You can experience the start of transformation, but the way you continue to walk it out is in authentic community. I can have encounters with the presence of God at an altar, in a service, in a, in a devotional moment with him where I'm like, whoa. My heart is changed. I'm experiencing God's love right now, like, and it is affecting me, and it's pulling me out of the miry pit and setting me up my foot on a rock. That's what's happening right now. God is transforming me. But in order for me to continue to stay transformed and walk that transformation out, I have to have around me a group of people 
who are on that journey together. It's impossible to stay transformed, isolated. But we have a lot of Christians that try. But it's impossible. How do we bridge the gap? It's, it's immerse, immerse, immersing ourselves, full immersion in authentic community. So here's how I want to I specifically speak to authentic community uh, tonight. Because this is something that God's been putting on my heart for, for me, for us. And some of us, when it comes to our relationships and the people that we have close to us, we would call our circle. This is a group of people that you would say, like, they know me the most. They may not fully know me. They, fa- they may not fully have all of my, my insides and outs when it comes to, like, my past or my, my present or where I want to go in my future. But, but let's think about who's, who's our circle. Who's the people that know you the best, that would spend the most amount of time with you? That's who I'm talking about. What I want to propose to you tonight is that when it comes to this idea of heart transformation, checking your heart. Sorry, I'm distracted. Cool, we all got distracted together. Some of us need to have some, I'm going to call it comfort conversations. I'm going to unpack this. Comfort conversations. Because here's what's gone down. I believe that I've, I've watched this take place in the and a lot of people around me, and I've, I've, been, I've been prone to it at times too. Some of us have allowed our relationships to become environments that breed fleshly comforts rather than environments that breed spirit convictions. Some of us have allowed our friendships to become an environment that says like, yep, just lean into your comfort. More than. We've got friendships that are cultivating an environment, that are breeding an environment where the Spirit of God is convicting us and we're walking those convictions out. And, I mean, when I read the scriptures and I, when I look at the way that authentic community was laid out throughout the Bible and throughout the history of the church where, it, where God is really moving, where Jesus is really being glorified, where the Spirit of God is, is breaking out, people are being healed, people are getting saved, what I see is a group of people who when, when they gather, that their, their gathering and their relationship is bonded by sharpening more than it's bonded by how do we maintain our comforts. And yet in the Christian church, I see that more than the opposite. I, I see more people like, how can we just like, ah, yeah, we follow Jesus and like we want to grow, but like, Let's just do this because it's more comfortable. And I'm not, I just, I'm not, again, I'm not bringing a shame or condemnation because I've, I've, I've participated. But I just think, like, if you're really going to see heart transformation, some of you need to hear those, the Spirit of God speak to you and say, like, you need to have some comfort conversations with your friends. A conversation that looks something like this. Hey, God's been speaking to me. Like, and I know we like to do this kind of stuff and hang out, and this is, like, the way that we hang out, and this is the things that, the, these are the things that we do and participate in. But, I mean, God's doing something to me in a way that's speaking to me about how those things are decreasing my appetite for Jesus rather than increasing my hunger for the Lord. I, man, I, I think we should chill, chill down on some of those things and maybe do some other things. I, I think some of you need to have a comfort conversation with your group of friends. Some of you guys need to be the person that steps up and says, like, I'm going to do it. I'm willing to do it because there, there is some risk involved. Some of you might even be processing and thinking about that. But the idea is that 
comfort is greater, sorry, conviction is greater than comfort. And I love the, the writer of Hebrews. He writes it like this. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And then, and then Solomon writes in Proverbs that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So there's these two verbs of stirring up and sharpening that like I just can't let go of. That when it comes to authentic community actually happening in people's lives, that there's, there's a degree of stirring up and sharpening that's happening. But, but I don't see that as much as I think that, that the Lord longs to see it in his church. I see more like let's just like let's just chill. Like, let's just chill and not actually, like, feel the pressure to really, like, press into God with our lives and be about Jesus more than I see this, like, stirring up and, and, and spurring one another on. Our closest relationships, let me, let me lay it out like this. Our closest relationships should stir, spur, and sharpen. What are your closest relationships producing in you right now? Are you open and receptive to someone coming in and having a comfort conversation with you and your group of friends? If someone were to say like, hey, I'm, I love you. I love us. I love that we can take our masks off. I love that we can be fully us. But like, I, I think we, we should shift some of the things that we do and the way that we talk or the way that we joke or the way that we consume whatever it is that we consume media food drink whatever I think we should adjust some of those things are you open and receptive to someone having one of those conversations with you that's a real question because the honest truth is that if you if I'm if I'm me because I am if if you are if you're anything like me anytime someone wants to talk to me about my life my natural propensity to be is like whoa, whoa, whoa who are you what are you trying to do here Oh so, oh, so you think you're more spiritual than me? Oh so, you think, oh, so you think that the way I'm living isn't like, isn't like the way that God's called me to? Oh, who are you? Well, I, you know the things that, like, I know, what, I know where you've been and I know what you've done. What are you talking about? That would be my, my flesh. I think that would be a lot of our fleshes. Don't talk to me about the way I'm. I get, I'm a powerful person. I get to choose me. Don't talk to me about. Let me squash some misconceptions and some weird Christian weirdnesses potentially <laughs> to Nama squash them. Having one of these conversations does not mean that you're saying you are more better or more spiritual, more better. You are better. Sorry. Perfect. Words are hard. You are better or more spiritual. So if you're thinking like, if I have that conversation with somebody, they're going to think this, that's false. That's not true. The enemy wants you to think that so you don't walk into the obedience of that conversation. Let's squash that right now. Let's be a culture that says, if you got a friend, you got to see enough to have that kind of conversation to challenge the group to step up, that when they do that, you don't take it offensively or sensitively like they're trying to be better than you or more spiritual than you. If you have one of those conversations, it does not mean that you've got it all figured out or you're perfect yourself. So, so move past that. You, you don't have to wait until you've got this area fully figured out and perfected before you can go talk to somebody else about it. AKA, there would never be preaching ever. <laughs> I'm going to invite the worship team. I'm going to close here in just a minute. You don't have to have it all figured out perfectly before you have that kind of conversation with someone. 
you have that kind of conversation, it does not mean that you are judging or condemning the person that you're having the conversation with. But how many of us, that's our fear. We're like, oh, if I say this, they're going to think I'm, I'm telling you, let's squash that. Because, because the enemy wants that kind of lie to be swirling around in our heads and hearts to keep us from having these kind of sharpening conversations for that fear. Someone's going to receive it that way. Here's what it does mean. If you have that kind of conversation, it does mean that you love them enough to speak truth in love. If you have that kind of conversation, it does mean that you love God and you want him to be glorified with your life and how you speak and how you talk and how you act and how you behave and how you hang out. I mean, if you have that kind of conversation, it means that you're inviting people to have that kind of conversation with you. And then when that kind of culture begins to breed, it is so powerful and so healthy. But, but a lot of people don't want to go there. And I'm telling us, I'm telling our group, I'm telling me, and I think we're, I know where God is calling us to go is to create a culture and a family that says, like, nope. Like, we're going to have a group of people here that, like, are willing to sharpen each other. What's God saying to our group tonight? What's he saying to you? Maybe you're in that boat with the grace upon grace. Like, man, your first step tonight is hearing God re-speak his love for you, his affirmation for you, that his grace hasn't run out on you. Some of you just need to have have a moment with his presence where you hear and you receive God's grace on your life afresh. Some of you know that God's calling you to a deeper place in his word and in his presence where it's not just a Thursday hot minute. And not in a condemnation, shame way, but just like, you know, let's go. God's got more for you. More than the life that you're living and experiencing right now. The enemy does not want you to experience that. Some of you know action steps for you leaving tonight are like, all right, I'm gonna be, I know God's calling me to be that friend that's going to have that conversation. Because you've allowed some things in your friend group to like be, at one point maybe they were, something that like you would have said like that wasn't healthy for us you know or it's just not helping us again maybe it's not it's permissible but it's not beneficial some of you just need to be discerning from the lord it may not be like you're you are out and doing drugs together some of you might some of you it may not be that but maybe it's just that every single time you guys get together you talk more about something that isn't eternal And so it produces in you a hunger for something that is temporary. It may be permissible, but maybe it's just not beneficial. And God is stirring in you and saying, like, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to step up and love somebody enough to say, like, hey, God has more for our friendship and our group here to grow in that authentic community. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to stand. If you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, we're going to just respond and this time of worship for just a few moments together.